0: Hello, and welcome back to Albright Out Loud, a podcast about the innovative, creative, and inspiring stories of the people at the heart of Albright College's amazing community. I'm your host, Jackie Fetro, president of Albright College, and I'm coming to you today from the Center for the Arts on Albright's campus in Reading, Pennsylvania. This podcast highlights the life-changing and distinctive programs and learning that really is the heart of Albright College and the positive impact that those programs and that learning has on our students, our faculty, our campus, and beyond. Our conversation today is all about Albright's fashion design, costume, and merchandising programs and the opportunities available to our students through these programs to shine the spotlight on Albright fashion and offer firsthand stories about their experiences. Today, we welcome our first guest, Ashley Hillegas, who hails from Bangor, PA. Ashley graduated from Albright last May in the amazing class of 2021. While in middle school, Ashley decided to make a career in the fashion industry. Her drive to be in fashion showed during her time at Albright, majoring in fashion design, and minoring in political science. Ashley participated in a number of real world experiences as a student, including faculty supported research on the negative health effects of the chemical textile treatments, and a collaboration with me to design sustainable and stylish fashions. Ashley is currently employed with Elite Sportswear right here in Reading. Also joining us is Scott French, an accomplished 1987 Albright graduate. Scott's impressive career in all areas of the fashion industry has included designing and showing under his own label at New York Fashion Week, as well as serving as a regular lecturer at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York, and the Parsons School of Design in New York City. Scott served as vice president and creative director of the Bromley Group Public Relations, Overseeing visual and conceptual work in fashion, accessories, and home furnishings. This position led him to his current role as co-founder of Very New York, a fashion events and public relations company based in New York and Los Angeles. Welcome, Ashley, and welcome, Scott. And thank you for joining me today for this wonderful episode. I'm excited to talk to both of you about your Albright stories and your successes and your thoughts on what's happening in the industry now. So my first question is for Ashley. Albright College is not a fashion school, though we have an amazing program in fashion design and merchandising. So Ashley, could you share a little bit with our audience what a fashion majors experience is like at Albright, where you take not only fashion courses, but a broad range of courses?
1: So I first of all wanted to say thank you for having me. Um, But actually, I think that's one of the things that makes Albright really, really unique is because you're taking all of those other courses, you kind of get more perspective than other people that would only study fashion. And I would say it's more realistic than... If you're focusing only on fashion, like if you were a design major like I was, you would only be doing things creative based where in the real world, that's not what you're. I mean, you're still using creativity, but you're doing it to support someone else's brand unless you're like one of the lucky few people who actually gets to have their own label. So it's a a very educational experience, I'll say.
0: That broader perspective allows you to bring something to your designs and your thinking that you may yeah, not have otherwise. Exactly, I think that's great. Did your did your minor in political science have an impact on your on on your fashion um, designs and on your major?
1: I, yeah, it did a lot actually, because that's one of the things that got me interested in it in the first place. Kind of like other than initially liking fashion, is the I kind of like the law side of things, and I took my first course for that as a freshman. Like, my, it was my um, FYS, I think, actually, oh, wow. um, with Dr. Armato. And I took that class, and I was like, wow, I actually love this, too. I could see myself doing this. So that's why I ended up combining it kind of how I did, even though I know political science and fashion don't sound like they go together at all. But I've actually got to use some of that experience in, like, writing contracts and stuff like that for companies that I've worked with. Or not writing them, but, like, proofreading them because I'm not a lawyer. But... <laughs> That's, so it gives kind of a cool, unique perspective on those kinds of things.
0: I think that's really great. So your first year in your first year seminar, your experience in a in in a, in a law a course about the law impacted what you do today in your in your work. Yep. Oh, that's really that's excellent, Scott. When you were a student at Albright College, and then when you were a recent graduate. You have a great career in the fashion industry and 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 in the um, public relations area. How did you make those inroads in the industry to get to such a high profile position you're in now?
2: It's a good question. Thanks for having me. Um, just a, you know, to build on the back of what Ashley was saying, it, it's a very similar sort of story. I was able to coming from you know what they called at the day a liberal arts background, where I had all these other classes. I thought, well, I'll never ever use them. I look back now and I think back, what was my most important class in high school? It was typing. What was my most important, most used class in a really weird way at Albright it was non-Western religion. Who would have ever thought that, you know, we'd be living in a world where we're li- watching these different religions all over the world clash and and have to know a little bit about, you know, a lot of, a little bit about a lot of things. And I think that that's really what the background at Albright gave me, was a little bit of knowledge on a whole lot of things and a whole lot of knowledge about certain things that mattered. But I was able to use those, um, those knowledge points, those those intellectual touch points, really to sort of work my way through and navigate my way through the fashion world because there was really no area I wasn't able to sort of strike up a conversation about. Um, And um, I was able to just leverage, you know, one connection to the next, the next, the next, much the way, you know, we're asked in an interdisciplinary sort of learning environment to leverage those connections between different disciplines in, in education as well. So I've had a really crazy background um, in In fashion, starting out in retail, moving on to design into the media world and into the fashion design um but all along the way, I was able to leverage those mi- meetings I had, leverage those those jobs I had, leverage those connections I had to you know build a ladder and build a network and they, they, today I go into a client today i 'm sitting down talking to someone this morning. I was on the phone talking to a client about a swimwear collection, able to talk to them about repeats of of the of prints and then tech packs, and costing, and all these different things, but had I not had all of those different um, experiences through my professional career, I would not be able to be as good at what I'm doing now um, as I am. So when I come to the table, I, that, that background, that diverse background, really does, is able to be leveraged in a very proactive way. But I like to say there's no one in the industry, I really mean this, I'm not bragging myself, there's no one in the industry that's really been like on the runway in the media seats, producing the shows—you know—I've really done all areas. It's made me stronger in any area I approach.
0: I I love that the 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 diversity of your experiences and your expertise to really bring forward um, the best, no matter what area you're applying. And I what I take it, Scott, is that you're the person I should invite to a dinner party because you're the one that can have a conversation about anything, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty much anything, yes. I'm also very cautious, as I'm sure Ashley's gonna you know, experience this more and more as you go through life, the minute you mention you're a fashion designer and the minute you mention you're in fashion, you become the center of conversation. So sometimes I, oh yes, oh yes. And I had one other thing, I was in lingerie. So I said, I designed lingerie. Oh my God, you got it. so it was horrible. So, you know, <laughs> horribly good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you experience that as well? Oh yes. I get that. I get that because everybody wants to know because it seems like such a different field, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I get that all the time because I'm getting married now and it's like, everyone's like, oh, did you make your wedding dress? And then I say no. And they're like, well... Why didn't you make your wedding dress? That's so disappointing. We wanted to see that from you. And I'm like, okay, first of all, think about the amount of time and materials. It would cost more for me to make it, and then I'll hate it while I'm wearing it. Exactly, exactly,
0: (laughs) exactly. But speaking of things that you made, I love the stuff that you made for me. So at Albright College, we have a program called ACRE, the Albright Creative Research Experience where students and faculty apply for money to work together on a project. And Ashley, you worked on such a project. You applied with Professor Mie um to work on an acre, which involved me and you designing clothes, a whole cool outfit for me. Could you share something about how you developed the concept for that proposal and, and, and how the experience worked for you?
1: I would say that because I
0: Did three of them in total, it kind of helped
1: me solidify what exactly I wanted to go into for the future, like acre projects that we had talked about at the same time while we were doing the first one. Um, And it kind of helped me pinpoint what exactly I want to look into and focus in on that I haven't gotten to see while in my courses here at Albright or something that I wish we had focused like a little bit more on or something like that. So that's how I learned all of the like almost like the tailoring techniques that I learned basically because we don't have a tailoring course but we learn all of these advanced construction techniques but I wanted to learn how to incorporate them into other things with also learning techniques that I thought were interesting, other than like natural dyeing and stuff like that. So it really helped me mold my thoughts and ideas into really specific things, which was awesome, because it let me take that whole new creative outlet with you, because then I had to listen to also what you wanted, and like fit you a real model instead of a bust form. So...
0: That must have been an interesting experience, fitting a real model with a, rather than a bust form. <laughs> actually,
1: I, I like it better because then ah. you can actually tell me your input. Yeah,
0: well, that, that's <laughs> a great point. And I will tell you every time I wear the outfit, I get huge compliments on how well it, it fits me. So I think that's really great. You, when you were putting together that project, you had in your mind thinking about origami, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you designed that, you incorporated that into some of the designs of the outfit. And I never would have thought to do that. So tell me a little bit about that thinking.
1: Yeah. So I actually, I mean, I take inspiration from a lot of just like really basic things, because I find that when you try to focus on something too too specific, it kind of gets muddy, at least for me, inspiration wise. So I was like, okay, origami. I like that because I like angles and corners and things like that. I know it doesn't sound, it sounds weird. Um, (laughs) But I kind of took that and tried to figure out how I can develop it into a technique to use for the outfit. So turned into the pin tucks that I used on like multiple panels and I mean even in my New York Fashion Week collection I ended up using that technique again because I love it and I love texture so if I can't buy a really expensive fabric or afford something like that like a really like luxurious brocade I will just take a plain like a solid fabric and embellish on top of it because it kind of adds to the interest. I, too. I,
0: that's, it's one of the things I really like about the jacket, those pin tucks, and then the angles and the, and the, and the corners in the collar, I think is really distinctive. Scott, what were you going to say? If I could, yeah, if I
2: could say something here, I, I think it's really an important thing. If you really are meant to be a designer, or you really have design in you, you can find inspiration in anything. And I remember, I, I once mentioned this to a group of students. and They're like, oh, yeah, right. I can give you something you can't be inspired by. And they gave me a piece of white paper. A sheet of white paper. I remember sat there and like. It took me about thirty seconds. I said, "Okay, great." I like sketched out ten garments. One on the head, just a square pattern, a, a seam in the middle of it, like a sheet of paper. One was just white. One was this, a fold, a shredded edge. And they're sitting there looking, and it was blowing their mind, like these things that came from a simple sheet of white paper. But you know, as a creative person wandering around the world, anything can you can bring in can bring inspiration. And that's what was so much fun working, you know, during your fashion Week with the students, like seeing what it was and by working that, that inspired them and by working with them to say, well, maybe we can do this a little bit more. Maybe we can do that a little bit more, you know, adding that on that interactive collaboration is really the way companies and the way design works. And while I love shows like Project Runway, I really do enjoy that show a lot. I've, I've known like literally, Tim Gunn was my ex boss. I knew it from way back in the you know, day. Well, the one fault I have with that show is there's not enough of the interactivity. It's not about this design vision. It's about being able to take that vision and turn it into something like Ashley did for you that you enjoy wearing. And if you can't make that transition from the conceptual to the real person, you're nothing more than a hobbyist. And our, our job as designers is to create something that someone wants to sell or someone wants to buy, I'm sorry. And if we can't sell it, we're not doing our job well. So it's not a sellout. It's, the, it, it's essential to the job.
0: I, I I think that's completely awesome. And what you both describe, the inspiration from anything you see is just something I don't have. I think about science and everything, but not about design. <laughs> um, both of you have mentioned New York Fashion Week. So let's talk about that a little bit. So, Scott, a few years ago, you brought to us at Albright College the opportunity to participate in New York Fashion Week. And then the pandemic happened and we got delayed a little bit. But we did finally appear in New York Fashion Week this past September with designs, Albright College alum, alumni and student designs on the runway at New York Fashion Week. Scott, if you could share a little bit about what led you to bring that proposal to Albright. Sure. Um,
2: I was lucky enough to be asked many, many years ago um, by another school in New York. Um, it was called the Art Institutes at the time to come in and teach their fashion show production class. And I'm like, I do not want to teach this class, but I enjoy fashion shows. So I said, yes, I'll do it. And after doing two seasons in their little art gallery downtown and you know, showing the project, the place that we were showing was going out of business. They were closing down and becoming a, a different, they were tearing the building down. So we didn't have a place to show. And this light bulb went up in my mind. Like, why can't these designs be translated to the runways you Know of New York Fashion Week, nobody's doing it, like no school is doing it. And there's this media rich environment that exists out there that is always looking for the next new thing, always looking for the ne- you know a new story. I thought, here we have every single semester, or in the case of the art in institutes, every single quarter, we have a new group of stories to present to the media. So I went and talked to them, I sold really, really hard, like I had to sell you, Jackie, in the conference room that day. Here's the budget, and most people think fashion is oh, it's two million dollars, a million dollars. It's not. It it's really not. is not. Yes, you can spend that much money on it. You can get there. That's I honestly, God, if you don't have good content, you got to spend that money. But if you've got good content, all you need is a really, really nice space, some really, really good models, and a cool soundtrack, and you can you can really you know present an amazing thing. So I took this collection to the runways, and, you know for this school, and over the next like six years, we built that up to where we had an insane budget, an insane show, 1,200 people in the audience, um, and it was a media frenzy season. And then it, they they sold the schools, and they, they basically closed down the program. So I had this amazing gem. I was looking for where can I move this? Like, where? what other school can I move this to? And I just, bing, Albright. Okay? Doreen Berdowski, the program director, she was always like, she would come to the show. She's like, oh, my God, I would love to be able to do this. I'm like, well, why don't we do this? And actually, I brought it to Albright. Um, and to your conference room that day. And I was like, this is not going to happen, okay? But I've never, ever let a no stop me from doing anything. <laughs> I just keep on steamrolling until I get like a really hard no or the door's locked. And even then I look for a back door. Um, and I was shocked by something you said, Jackie, at the table, you looked at it, you looked at all my effective ears, it was well-researched, it was well-presented, I really had all the data there. You did. <laughs> and you And you looked at it and said, how do we make this happen? And I was like, wow, I'm getting a little chills now thinking about it. You said, how do we make this happen? I'm like, well, this actually can happen. And we got the whole thing greenlighted. And then I don't know if anybody heard about the pandemic, like you mentioned. Everything came to a, a, a halt as red as a light as that wall behind Ashley right now. And um, But we kept it going. We kept the dream alive, kept percolating it. And I think in the end, that was your first time in the New York Fashion Week. It was probably best to have that extra time to really let it percolate, let it develop. And um, it was, I think it was a great success. And um,
0: I agree with you, Scott. And and I am forever grateful that that you brought the opportunity to us and to our students and, and our alums and our faculty. I think it is a really fabulous opportunity for a student or an alum to be able to, to participate and to have their designs on the runway. In fact, Ashley, you were one of the Albright designers that was on the runway in New York Fashion Week last September. That must have been quite an experience, but also quite an accomplishment. So congratulations. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you? Well, first of all, I wanted to cry and like scream all at
1: the same time um <laughs> and i i mean I.
2: by the way it's no different it's no different for me on all my collections i just wanted to cry because it's yes
1: like yes i think that never <laughs> probably goes away no matter what you're doing or whatever and i i've gone to new york fashion week a couple times before that twice to watch and once to volunteer backstage with club vogue and those times I was like, oh my gosh, one day, maybe one day my stuff will be up there and people will be sitting here watching it. And then, uh, I can't remember who it was, but the department came to me and asked if I would want to be a part of this and I was like, "Uh, heck yes. Like. Because, again, it was right before COVID happened, though. And when that happened, I was like, oh, now it's, I don't know, now it might not happen until after I graduate or whatever. And thankfully, that ended up not being an issue. And it's one of my, like, all-time favorite things to talk about and be able to say that I, like, I did this. It, so. It's it's, it was an, it's an
0: amazing accomplishment. We talk about... Um what inspires you when you're creating? Was there something that inspired you in one of your designs that you had on the runway?
1: Yeah, so I kind of, I've been saying this for a while to all my friends that um, I'm upset that mushrooms have become trendy because I kind of got inspiration from them a little bit when I did your collection or even the one before that because I designed a print that was kind of inspired by the tops of them and then like organic shapes and turned into like an abstract pattern. And then that was my inspiration because then I ended up naming my collection the scientific name for mushrooms. And just so it was less, uh, sounded less trendy. Cause I was like, I don't like that. I Michael, hate that it's what's trendy. What's
0: the scientific name? Micah? Uh,
1: Agri- Agricus bisporus is one of the specific ones. Oh, very cool. So that's why I chose that, but I was like, no one's going to get this, but I don't really care because I get it. <laughs>
2: um, well, actually, you may not have realized it, but just last week in New York City, Alexander McQueen under Sarah Burton's direction just showed the collection, and the entire collection was inspired yes, by Yes, and mushrooms. it
1: made me annoyed. So, <laughs> they copied well,
2: no, off but, of No, you. but you can look at that and say... Yes, Sarah Burton copied. There you go. That's
1: you <laughs> well, I say. guess that's supposed to be the highest form of flattery, so.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. It, well, it was an amazing experience to be in New York, to see the students and the alums who I know so well, like you, and see their um, your designs on, on the runway. So, Scott, I can go say ahead. One, one, yeah. one
2: thing, Jackie, about that. Sorry to cut you off. I didn't mean to.
0: That's. Part of what
2: makes me want to do this when I, I I remember my first time walking out, seeing my name on that wall. I will never forget that experience. Like this is something I wanted to do, and I luckily had the wherewithal to do it. You know, it's not not many people. I mean, you literally, you're you're dealing with. It's like getting the chance to play in the Super Bowl or the chance to play, you know, race in the Daytona 500 or play in the World Series, or whatever your sport of choice is. For fashion, that's what the equivalent is. And I remember that excitement. And I remember every season what that felt like and the ability to be able to give that experience to, you know, nine, 10, 12 students each season, new people showing each season. It's such an amazing gift. Um, And I wish I had the knowledge I have now back then to go in a very different way, but, it's the excitement and just to watch their faces and they walk in that space like that, their breath's taken away to realize that it, it's really, that's why I do it. It's, it's like a real high. It,
0: it, I would agree with you, Scott. That's the best part of teaching to see the light bulbs go on, to see the aha moment, to see, wow, I can really do that. That that's the best part of, of teaching and of working with students. I would agree with you. So, Scott, I, in, in New York City, you know the movers and shakers in the fashion business. And now that Albright has been in New York Fashion Week and we're going again this September, I believe, is that, is that correct? Is that what I've come to understand? I'm,
2: in about 15 minutes, I have a phone call with uh, the team to sort of make that happen. Well, that,
0: that, that, <laughs> oh, yes. would, that would be great. But now that we've been there once, what, do you, what, what, what were your impressions of Albright students and alums participating and showing their designs in New York? How did, did it work the way you imagined?
2: Yes, actually it did. It actually was better than I imagined. Um, and I, I'm not just saying that cause I'm here though. I I think you know me well enough. I'm pretty honest. Yep, I do.
0: <laughs> I tell you the
2: truth. So No, it was better than I imagined. And I, I'm very nervous. That transition from student mentality to putting them like the whitest, brightest, hottest light you can imagine with like 500 eyes staring back at them all with a razor sharp pen and tongue. Um, it's an unnerving thing. And I was thinking like, oh my God, I could be like completely and totally destroying my relationship with my alum- with my, my kid college. You know, it's like, I put them out there, they get slaughtered in the press. But, but that, again, nothing really scares me. So I, I dove in and, and, and said, let's do this. I was blown away by how great the things looked and the way the professionals and the students rising to the occasion to sort of hit the specs, hit the marks because models on the runway are very different than even dress forms. And very different, no offense to you, Jackie, you're a great model for the, your collection, but you're not a runway model. I'm sorry to say that. But it's a very different experience. They're, they're superhuman weirdos, these models. Like, you know, six foot tall, this big around, six foot tall, this big around. It doesn't matter. There's all different size shapes and sizes, but they really are very unusual beasts to, de- to, um, to dress. And Albright not only did it, they did it well. I don't think there was a week single, not one single negative comment in the media. That's amazing. They that came out. Not one. And there's many of them are like saying, can't wait for next season. And I I've in February, I got requests. Hey, can I come to the outbreak show? That was for February. So that was what, that's really the the statement. Like when they start asking to come, that's really great. So you did very, very well. And it builds every season. You know, now those people who didn't come heard about are going to hear about it. I'm going to be able to go out and say, well, as seen in type of thing, it's going to build each season. So um, Albright did very, very well. And um, you know, there is a it is a marketing process. It's not all about just giving the students that experience. There is a marketing side to it all and how you translate that, but even that builds over time as well. I'm quite confident that the, the momentum that you know, it has begun and will continue to build.
0: I I think it's really great that people are asking to come to the Albright show. I I'm I'm not an expert in fashion and you are right, Scott. I am certainly not a runway model, but I was really, really impressed, impressed with the fashions. It was really great. So I'm going to ask you both, Ashley, as a as as somebody new into the fashion industry, and and Scott, as somebody who's who's been in the fashion industry for a while, what do you feel is the most important thing for today's fashion majors to know about preparing for a future in the future career in the industry? How do you get started? How do you how do you make your way?
2: Shall I start that one? She's <laughs> okay. he, Ashley's like, thank God. <laughs> It's really, it's a tough thing to answer that because today there are so many ways of getting in. Back in 1987, when I entered the world, you got to New York for one, you had to be in New York, that's not true anymore. You had to make a collection of samples and find a way of showing it on the runways normally. That's not necessarily true anymore. You had to um, get the buyer on the phone. (laughs) Imagine that, a phone with a cord on it and get them to come to your showroom and you had to have a showroom. That's not true anymore. Um, however, that still is possible. There's, so it's, it's a daunting task to figure out what avenue you want to pursue, but at the same time, there's so many avenues you can pursue. So it's possible on next to no budget, and it's not possible on endless budget. It's like, it's just, it's really, anything is a, an opportunity. So the best way, and I tell students, and I tell anyone, designers, students, et cetera, who are entering the business, first off, you got to have a point of view. You gotta have a product that people want. Nobody needs another pretty dress. Who the frick cares about another pretty dress? Okay, there. If, if fashion schools all closed down today and not one single designer was ever went back in the, or into the business, new, we'd be just fine. We don't need you. Okay, so you gotta make them want you. And if you are just gonna make something that is just another version that's already out there, there is no need for it. So you've got to find what that is. Even if it's as simple as, you know, Ashley has a very simple denim jacket on right now. There's nothing special about that denim jacket. And there's 55 other brands doing denim jackets just like that. But something about that jacket made her buy it. Okay. So you've got to find out what it is that, you know, made that, that makes that connection with the consumer, find that connection with the consumer and then exploit it. Because if you don't find what makes you special, or able to communicate that, you're just going to be one of them, one of the thousands if not millions out there and there's no need for you so you got to find it exploit it and then um, you know let people know about it
0: like find your point of view and yeah. exploit it. And I bet your, I bet your liberal arts background helped you to do that. Scott. Yeah.
2: how are you bet it did. Yes, it did. It did. And I've always, I've been very decisive about things. Like I don't, I'm not one to sit with him and haw and change my mind. As I look at things, I evaluate it in a heart, I go in on it in an instant and my instincts are generally right. I've, I've been you know quite successful doing it. And, um, but Part of the, what that why that served me well is because so many other people are wishy washy and all over the place, and you know, I, I I rise to the top because I have a point of view. It may not be the right point of view, but at least I have a point of view, and that gets their attention.
0: That's awesome, Ashley. You've been nodding the entire time. Scott's been thinking. So oh, yes. you have a thought on this?
1: <laughs> well, first of all, I think you're a hundred percent right about having a point of view because I've seen people, even like just where I work, that people will. I think it also depends where you work, but people, if you don't have a point of view, they will walk all over you and it doesn't matter what you do or who you are. They will do it if you let them. So if you have a point of view and you stick to it, it's harder for them to do that. Um, so I think you're right about that.
0: But find, find the point of view and exploit it. Yes, 100 um, percent. And on the same and at the same time, actually, I think is knowing
2: that after failing at that point of view many, many, many times, realizing that gee, maybe being mature enough to realize that maybe I should change the point of view or change the messaging about that point of view. You know, it's like I've seen people that are just stubborn to the point of being right. ridiculous. Okay, but I would rather any day have someone stubborn to the point of being ridiculous with a point of view than someone who has no point of view and you know no center, no central message. So yeah, I agree that's with that's
0: awesome. You. Okay, it's professional prediction time. What, what is surprising Ooh. each of you about the fashions in 2022?
2: Surprising? Or, okay, surprising me. Well, I'm surprised and joyously surprised, I might add, that casual pajama-like styles are not all that we're seeing out there. I was hoping the pandemic stay-at-home movement would not completely put us into a sweatsuit pajama mentality. And what I'm seeing on the runways has been really fresh, exciting, and and a, 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 a desi- showing a desire for designers and hopefully people um, to dress up once again and get out and, and make statements with their clothing. So that's been surprising me because I really did not have the faith in the American consumer that they would rise to you the stage. P- you up thought again. people would want to but stay comfortable. <laughs> yeah, please. That's awesome. Is so.
0: there anything surprising you, Ashley? <laughs> First of all, I wanted to
1: say that you're right, but also I'm kind of sad about it because I like the options in comfy clothes recently. Um, (laughs) But I'm actually, I was surprised this year when Pantone came out with their, um, the color of the year for this year is like this periwinkle purple color, this really light purple. And I was like, wow, I really thought it was gonna be like emerald green again or something because that's what I've been working a lot with recently is like jewel tones. and. All that kind of stuff so I was like oh my gosh it's a like a mixture of pastels and jewel tones right now which is really interesting to me at least because I'm like oh so it's like kind of 90s and like the 80s coming back in like together at the same time which is kind of really cool
0: that was an interesting an interesting thought about color because I hadn't thought about it that way so thank you Ashley Well, Ashley and Scott, this has been a very interesting and fun discussion. I wanna thank you both again for joining me to share your stories and your expertise. I wanna thank you also to our audience for listening today. If you wanna learn more about all the great things happening at Albright College, please visit the Albright College website at albright.edu. I hope you will join me again. our next engaging Albright Out Loud conversation to hear the inspiring stories of the people at Albright College.